This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome into Judd's Hockey Show. It's Zolgad here in the bowels of the XL Energy Center. It is AJ Fredrickson, a friend of the show, of course, frequent contributor, back in studio producing things and co-hosting today. Wild lose 5-2 age. Uh, The 14-game, I believe it was a 14-game point streak for the Wild, has come to an end against a Boston Bruins team. That uh, is a lot of fun to watch. And I believe the term that you kids use today is referred to as a wagon. Is that the correct term? Yes. The Boston Bruins are a wagon. They're a full-on wagon. I wish they the are. Wild were as big of a wagon as the Boston Bruins. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so as J- Jeremy points out there uh, in our in our comments section, yes, not having Kirill Kaprizov uh, and certainly Brodeen, which I think is a huge loss. Uh, played a role today in a 5-2 loss that featured two no goals because of offside challenges. Uh, we will get to that. Uh, my number one takeaway, though, is this age. Um, that was a really fun hockey game. If if you, you know, if you're a Wild fan, it's bitter. The fans here obviously very PO'd at the officials <laughs> for the two overside, overturned offside calls. Um, I'm not sure what your takeaway is from watching it was, but I thought that was an incredibly entertaining afternoon hockey game. Yeah. Um, I missed a majority of the first period just cause I, I was making my way into the station here today. But uh, from what I did see for like the second half of the first and the rest of the game was like you said, it was entertaining. Um, I know this, if you just look at the stats and the box score and everything like that, you're going to think the wild um, were in, you know, never in a chance to win this game. I think they played at times, relatively well but at the same time for those highs there were equal lows and those just happened to impact the game just as much um i know a lot of people are going to be upset about the two overturn goals even the second one because on the television broadcast they didn't really show an angle where it was undisputable evidence that that was offsides you got to remember though everybody that the nhl facilities especially up in there uh up in the press box area they have that replay room they have you know, tens upon twenties of more camera angles than us, the average viewer has. So if they overturn it, it's for a good reason. It's not rigged. It's not the league out against the wild trying to back the Bruins. No, No, they uh, are Bruins fans. Everybody knows it. It's been decided months ago. The Bruins are going to win the cup. It's all a bunch of garbage. What are you talking about? Um, No, you're right. In fact, let's get right to that topic. Okay. So the first one, and and I guess I just want to say this about offside challenges. The first one, that was wiped out, um, which would have made it, I think, if I'm not mistaken, just trying to go through my notes here quickly, I believe it would have made it two to one. Yes, it, it would have made it uh, two nothing. 
wild. Dumba scored from in front off a Johansson feed, and we'll get to him. I thought he had a marvelous game. Um, and what would have been a power play goal is, was wiped out. I believe it was Dewar was offside. And age, that is the reason why that that rule is there, because the challenge was absolutely correct. Connor Dewar has to stay onside there. Um, did it impact the goal directly? No, but that but they have that challenge there because Dewar came in offside. Like it was just cut and dry. That mm-hmm. took 30 seconds or 20 seconds. Okay. The second one I think is a little bit more hanky. And I'm trying to recall now, H, what was the one we had a possession issue a couple of weeks ago? I want to say it was here at the X that wiped out another goal. And Dean was cool with it. A couple of weeks oh. ago. It wiped out a goal. It was an issue of possession at the blue line. So oh. it wasn't just a clear cut offside. It was the Jared Spurgeon overtime goal, correct? That's what it was. Yes. yes. Thank you very much. I'm getting old. I forget things. So, and in that case, um, that was a possession. This was Boldy. Now, I will lay some of the fault at his feet because Boldy inexplicably passed the puck when he should have just carried it in. The trailer was not offside. So his guy, the guy to his left was fine. So if Boldy just maintains possession, which he could have, instead of trying to throw the pass at the blue line, mm-hmm. um, that's a goal. But the more I think about this, I don't know that possession and an issue like that, which, by the way, was called onside by the linesman. So it was not like he saw it. Um, now, you're right. They've got a, a lot more replay reviews of potential. But I would almost like to see the offside challenge confined to if another skater is offside. So like if I've got the puck at the last second and I pass it, and now the question is, did I have possession when I passed it or did I then proceed the puck in? And again, if Boldy had just taken the puck in, they're fine. But I would like to see the GMs revisit that rule because I do believe it's very important if a guy just comes in offside, that's cool. Should be wiped out. Dewar did that. No question, no goal. The Boldy one, even if they got it right, I don't know what's the spirit of the rule to determine possession at the blue line that involves you and essentially putting yourself offside. So that's where I sort of struggle with it. It's not that they blew the call. The Wild fans here, 19,000 plus, <laughs> large crowd season, believe that they did blow the call. I don't think it's that they blew the call. I just don't know if that was ever God's intention of replay to, to say Matt Boldy passed the puck a tick early with possession so he lost possession and therefore put himself offside. I wouldn't mind if you couldn't, like as long as the official on the ice calls that onside, I wouldn't mind either way if that was not a challengeable call. Your your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you to an extent because at the same time, the other side of it is just if he holds onto that for a breath longer, there's no conversation. There's no conversation whatsoever. Um, but yeah, going back to even the Spurgeon call, it's – it's one of those things where it's almost taking the 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 realness out of the game. If that like the, there's human error in sports, there's mm-hmm. there's human error in sports. Mm-hmm. If the trained official doesn't whistle it down there. Right. And it comes down to you need like a second by second, millisecond by millisecond that's frames. That's, th- that's where I think the game is. I'm not going to say the game is gone by any means, but no. that's not what was intended. The intention, I feel like, for the review is another body was just blatantly off and it was missed by the official. Not this, like, fraction. Was it on his tape? Was it off? Does he have possession? So, yes, I do I do understand um, your argument there. But at the, at the same time, Boldy can totally ne- negate that whole thought process of just... And you're right. 
that, that much longer. Yeah. Yeah. I guess my thought is, is this, if that was game seven of a Stanley cup final. Okay. Do I <laughs> yes. want to be talking about it's overtime? Do I want to be talking about, well, the possession was incredibly close. He put himself in offside barely, but we're not quite sure, but no goal. Now, now I believe that the sort of the genesis of the entire offside review, uh, at least a little portion goes back way before your time, AJ. I think it was the first of the Islanders four consecutive cups, uh, game six overtime, Philadelphia and the Islanders. And the linesman missed a blatant offside. I believe it was the overtime GWGOT, you know, so this was, and, and yes, you're right. Like that's blatant. It's a miss. It's, it's not, he didn't screw up on purpose, but wouldn't you like to put, um, but wouldn't you like to put yourself in a position to say, you know what, bad call or bad, no call. We got this right. I just don't know if I want to be talking about the Rangers <laughs> playing in game seven of the Stanley cup and Patrick Kane scored, but it's no goal because Patrick Kane passed the, you know, it's just, so I'm with you. I think it's all the interpretation and in, in the importance of things that being said, all, all of that being said to make this very, very clear, the wild lost the game. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm not for one second, the Bruins are really damn good. And, and AJ, when you look and I've watched them a few times, but, when you are handed the good old line charts, Boston Bruins line charts, and you go first line, Bergeron, Marchand, DeBrusque. Bergeron, DeBrusque both scored. I think Marchand had a couple of, of apples. Mm-hmm. Second line, Krejci, Pavel Zaka, Pasta. Third line, I'll keep going. Charlie Coyle, who I've got a thought on in one second. Mm-hmm. Tyler Bertuzzi, who they just got from Detroit, who is a top six guy with almost any team but the Bruins. And then the guy that scored the empty net goal, Trent Frederick, who scored his 16th goal, okay? The blue line, um, Grizzlick, McAvoy. Second, second unit, Hampus Lindholm, Brandon Carlo. Third unit, Orlov, who they just got from Washington, who's going to be in town tomorrow afternoon, and Connor Clifton, and and Olmark and Swayman and goal, and Olmark play today was brilliant and is going to win the Vesna. That, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wagon. I just read you. I mean, that and, could be an all-star game. It, yes. And, <laughs> and I got a question for you. I got a question for you and all of you watching this. And we certainly do appreciate that. Where was this Charlie Coyle? Did you see him today? There was one move in particular. He received a pass in the neutral zone. He worked around, um, I, be, I believe it was Klingberg or Goligoski, but then he drove not hard, like a, hard work not hard work, but then he drove like a Mack truck to the goal, a powerhouse. He looked like a steam engine that wouldn't refuse to be knocked off the tracks. He drove hard to the goal. And that is the play that I think we expected from him. And even a guy like Jordan Greenway before the move. Oh, and then it's, it's so weird that that changes scenery and maybe it's just, maybe it's the coaching um, and no, just no. how it's handled, but like, I think, no, yeah, go ahead. I think it's one thing, dude. I think it's, it's not the coaching. I think it's ha- having guys named um, <laughs> Patrice Bergeron yes. and Brad Marchand in your locker room, who my guess the day he walked in and, and look, Coyle is still not perfect, but yeah. like what we saw today is what you, is what you wanted for a long time. Um, I think the day he walked in, those guys pulled him aside and said, the BS is done here, dude. You're not in club med no more. You know, Zach, and Ryan's country club ain't us. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know what? You're right. When I watched Coyle work, 
That's what we wanted. It wasn't even the results. It was the work ethic. I mean, and he is centering the third line. It's just, oh, it's so frustrating because that's, you know, that guy. And, and yes, as the, the commenter says here, he has matured. But I don't think that maturity was ever going to take place here with that team. Now it might, but not with that team. But my goodness gracious, when I watch that third line center now, oh, that is absolutely uh, perfect. Kaprizov, who people I know, in fact, I think the TNT crew w- was was saying that, you know, in some ways Kaprizov being out is perfect because they scored eight goals against the Blues, the Blues who stink. But And that was a fun game. Um, but today you saw why you were never glad that Kirill Kaprizov is out. So that's that's number one. Number two is um, Brodeen has to get back soon, I hope. Yeah. They miss him so much. And watching John Merrill take two second-period penalties, which were both dumb, um, I would actually be tempted, and I don't think that they will because Dean won't, but I'd actually, when Brodeen gets back, I'd be tempted to sit him and continue to play Kalen and Goose. And I've been the, the number one scratch Goose guy. But Goligoski right now? is no question playing better than John Merrill. Um, but Brodeen, just the calmness he brings back there, just the poise, it is so missed. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not going to say that his absence is more important than Krill's because it's not, but it's it's it can't be overstated just how much this team does miss a guy like Jonas Brodeen on the blue line. This, like you said, the calmness and just his repertoire, being able to cover for guys who lack maybe his capability defensively, almost playing a position and a half at times it's yep. it's so it's so tough and you got to wonder if you have a guy like him out there for that uh Bergeron goal the fourth goal and not and I'm I'm not going to harp on Kalen Addison because I think at times today he did look okay that play it it is partly on him but it's not I want to say all on him because there's guys who goofed up say again I think a forward who, who goofed up I think a forward was supposed to to also at least play a role in defending Bergeron, and we didn't see it. It was um, on the. It was Sunquist who okay. didn't pick him up, and maybe Steele. It was one of those two guys. Okay. But um, it, I mean, that was that whole defense. That was just a defensive breakdown. It was a is a weak ring around the boards to a weak board battle along the half wall, and then yep. and then Kalen um, hugs the strong side post and goes down, and then. The backside is just wide open, and nobody catches the uh, the the trailing Bergeron coming in for a wide open chance. So, um, gotcha. Yeah. So, so four goals by Boston with uh, Gustafson in net. Mm-hmm. The first one, which is a, just a great shot by DeBrusque, who I think a year ago requested a trade, and now and now with the new coach in Boston, is just playing fantastic. The first one was on Dumba because he's behind the net, and he tries to clear, and he doesn't. In fact, he doesn't come close. That then leads to the Bruins taking possession and getting the puck to DeBrusque in the slot. Again, I'm guessing a forward's supposed to be on DeBrusque there, but Dumba's got to get that clear going. He does not. Like you said, the Bergeron goal is a bad goal defensively, a breakdown. Yeah. Um, and so th- those two in particular were disturbing. Brodine comes back hopefully soon. Middleton, I guess, is sick. He's missed two games now. He yeah. comes back hopefully soon, mm-hmm. pair him back with Spurgeon. So your defensive pairings, I guess, theoretically, or in my perfect world, you get Middleton back with Spurge. 
um, you're probably going to go, I would probably go Brodeen Klingberg. I'm guessing yeah. that they'll go Brodeen Dumba because that's, that's Dean. Um, and then, and then I would play Goligoski and I would be open to playing Kalen again, because I just think John Merrill's not playing well. Yeah. No, he's, he's been rough recently and who knows, maybe, maybe a scratch is going to be the thing that can, you know, get the ticker going again. But, um, really quick while you mentioned, and we kind of have been talking about Addison, would you have liked to see him out there on that five on three? Um, yes. And in fact, did you see? So, and this is where Dean can be slow to adjust, and it drives me crazy. Did you see the um, the goal that made it what three to three to two at the time? Yeah, three yeah. two. The, the power play goal. Mm-hmm. Um, Russo tweeted this. I tweeted it, but he he had more information than I did. He said that was the first time all season that Dean has put the second power play out to start a power play. So that goal was Sunquist's goal off a nice feed by Goudreau. Um, but that's the first time, according to Mike, that they have not had their first power play out there to start. And so to answer your question, I think I would have liked to see them be more proactive. That five on three, what really, what I found really distasteful about that was, so that penalty came at the end of the um, second period. And they had, if I'm not mistaken, they had 124. So they had a long five on three once Orlov cleared the puck and it uh, didn't hit the glass and he got to delay a game. And did you see how much passing they went back to doing? Zuccarello passed up another shot, which is just dry, dry. It drives me nuts, dude. Kaprizov's out. You shoot. Don't try and yeah. don't need to set up a nice goal. But they were passing the puck. So I would have liked to have seen quicker action to get that group off the ice. Because if you dudes are going to pass it, guess what? I'm passing up your opportunity to play as long as you possibly want on the power play. Because that five on three was huge. Yeah. And they did not generate nearly enough um, because they were, again, looking for the perfect goal, which, again, is not how this team can play or afford to play. Four for 15 on five on three man advantages this year for the Wild. 15 chances, five on three is the most of any team in the NHL. They've converted four times. And the one that we saw today, I feel like that has to be a higher number of conversion rate. But also the passing, like you mentioned, why are we passing so much? You're, you're treating it like it's a standard five on four and you're, you know, I understand you want to draw them out of position for the chance. And right. we, there's gotta be a better way to go about that. There has to be a better way to go about that than just working across the top of the zone. And okay, now we'll work it back to Klingberg and he's going to kick it back to Boldy and Boldy's going to look. And now Zuccarello's right. and, got and it. Boldy wants to pass too. Yeah. Matt wants to pass too. It's in his gut to pass. Shoot the puck. Just but shoot the Zuccarello. puck. Yeah, and with and and the thing about it is, I think the justification for Matt's is well, if Kirill's playing, we're trying to set up Kirill, which bugs me already. Okay, but without Kirill, who are you setting up, Boldy? He just wants to pass it back to you, mm-hmm. you know. And and you know, Matt's has had a funny season because there are times he's look, looked good, but there's two things about him that drive me crazy for 2022-23. The first one is the refusal to shoot. You're not a center, dude. I know that you guys are good, but like right now you have to shoot. The second thing is, and I don't know if this stat is kept or not, I'm willing to bet that guy le- that guy is among the National Hockey League leaders among forwards in defensive zone turnovers. I want to say he did he did it again against the Blues. He he picks the damnedest times to try to get cute with the puck. And that's sort of the problem with him overall 
because he's tremendously talented and he can make yeah. some great plays. But, you know, his his uh, want to be creative can drive me crazy. And there is nothing worse than, you know, bank the puck in your own zone, off the boards, get it out. You don't have to ice it. Get it out to neutral. And as football people say, live to fight another day. Where Matt Zuccarello, you know, you see some of these passes he makes in his own zone and they get picked off right in the slot, low slot, high slot. And that's the type of thing that you cannot afford in playoff games. That will cost you a game. You uh, can't fault the goaltender for that, you know, off a goal, I mean. This is from moneypuck.com. I don't know how often you use their have site. I love it. They uh, have nice uh, on the season, and not including today, I would assume, Matt Zuccarello has 10 defensive zone giveaways. Okay. Um, leading it the, feels like more, but leading the team right now is 22. Matthew Dumba, John Klinberg, oh, yeah. 19, Jared <laughs> Spurgeon, 15, Matthew Boldy with 14. So, I mean, he's not even in the top Ooh, four, but it, you're That's right. It feels like it's more than 10. Does it not? Yes, it does. And, but he is in the top four of forwards, correct? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Like the defensemen are a different thing and I'm not absolving them, but I mean, they clearly handle the puck way more. Um, and I'm not surprised that any of those names defensively that you read are on that list because it feels <laughs> like we do see it. I mean, Klingberg is an adventure. I love the I love the dangle, you know, when, when he works it at the top of the blue line on the power play, he he gets that wrist shot off. I love that shot on the power play. I think that's fantastic. But he is a literal hold your breath guy, which is why I think Brodeen would help him because Brodeen could sort of cover there. There are times. There are very few times when I am here so I can see the entire ice from the press box, AJ, watching Klingberg from the press box in his own zone where I say, this looks good. This looks safe. I'm ordinarily saying, oh, God, oh, no, uh-uh, <laughs> going to see it again, aren't we? And the trade, you know, I still like the trade. Mm -hmm. I do think that offensively he, he adds something for sure. There's no question about that. But, uh, yeah, it's a defensive adventure, and that's the problem now. When you have both Brodeen primarily, but uh, Middleton out as well, it becomes defensive zone adventures. And that's where you're like, you can ask Gustafson and Flurry to make great saves. And Gustafson made some nice ones today, but you're not going to beat the Boston Bruins when the puck looks like it, uh, when the puck looks like it might be a, uh, a grenade in your own zone. Um. You, Klingberg, I still like the trade as well. The other guy who's really been impressed me um, with coming over before the trade deadline, Marcus Johansson. He oh, has been talk about his rock game. solid. And today he looked amazing. He was everywhere. Yeah. If it wasn't for the two overturned goals, he would have had, I believe, four points. But yep. he, when he's out there, he's having that impact of he's making himself known. He's contributing. He's developing offensive play, it seems, at times. And almost at times, like, willing something out of nothing. Um, he's been at the time, it was a very like, eh, all right, that was a then sure. We'll bring yeah, him back. Whatever. I thought the same thing. He has been, I'm not going to say a revelation, but in terms of what we've seen <laughs> the past couple of games, I will, I will get, we're on the fringe of revelation. We're on the fringe of it. Um, yes, he had, in my opinion, going back to the, um, the shortened pandemic season that he was with the wild and then obviously got hurt against the golden Knights in that playoff series. Uh, this was the best game I've seen him have. He's played well here in his second goal route. I thought what Johansson did today though is easily the most impressed I've been. Uh, he did accidentally tip that goal in. That was a centering pass uh, for McAvoy that went in off his stick. Um, Gustafson was, was going down and I think he was trying to slide to the side 
because he thought the puck was going to go through to McAvoy. It didn't. It went between Gustafson's legs. Uh, but I thought Johansson played fantastic. I thought he was all over the ice in the first period. That line was absolutely outstanding. And yeah, he has been, because I'm with you. When Bill made the trade again to get him back, I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, he's been really impressive. He clearly was was banged up badly the last time around. He's yeah. not now, so he, he's played well. I also like Sunquist, not because he stands out, although he did score the goal day. I like Sunquist because of this age. Um, he knows what his role should be, and he does what Greenway didn't, which is I feel like he shows up. Yeah. Like, like he's not a sexy player. And he's not a guy where you're like, can you believe that move? I mean, Johansson has speed. Like, Johansson has more skill. But Sunquist just knows what he's supposed to do, and he does it. With Greenway, I felt like it was a nightly will he or won't he. <laughs> With Sunquist so far, um, I feel like, you know what? He knows this role. It's not supposed to be a sexy role. It's a grinder role, but he serves it. And that's what you never knew. Because Greenway, at his worst, would be a 100% detriment to your team. Sunquist, I think, at his worst is just he's there, but he's not a, necessarily a detriment to the team. It's a good night when you're not really talking about him. And I think he's fine with that. Like you mentioned, um, I mentioned this on the JHS trade deadline special a couple weeks back where it seems like now Marcus Johansson is if you're at a restaurant, he's the fajitas coming out of the out of the kitchen. There's sizzle. It's drawing attention. People are looking at it. Oh, I wish I had that. Oscar Sundquist is the chicken sandwich. All reliable. It's hard to mess it up because he's going to get there. You're going to be somewhat satisfied with it. And you're, you know, you're going to go home pretty happy. You know, you didn't make a bad choice. And that's what he's been doing. He's playing a decent game. I'm not ever like, why is he, why is he on the ice? Right. Like, it's okay. Right. That's fine. He's out there. I don't necessarily expect a, a an offensive outburst, but defensively, he's going to get the job done and he's going to go back take a breather and somebody else is going to come out and do the job that we probably need um, when we're down. So exactly right. All right. Uh all these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Before we um, get back to the topic of goaltending today, I want to remind folks that when age says reliable, that's what we're looking for in life. And I'm going to tell you right now, one thing that is entirely re reliable is the work that my friends from Livia Weight Control Centers do. And it's important that I said weight control. So this isn't a diet. This is not a fad. This is not a quick fix. This is a fix that 100% works, but then the dietitians will help you maintain that weight loss. And that's the most important thing. We've all lost weight. The question is, can we keep that weight weight off? Livia, dedicated to doing exactly that. And if you join now, guess what? Special deal for you. Eight weeks free. So you get the first eight weeks for free. If you join now, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A-Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. Again, eight weeks free. I'm telling you, if it works for me, it can work for you. So check it out and you will look and feel great for summer. Your take on the uh, goaltending of Philip Gustafson today. He was making stops that I expect them to make. And I'm, I'm no goalie expert. Um, you know, when, when they traded for Gustafson, I kind of can do the scouting. I, I will take more of the crowdsource knowledge rather than 
give my own opinion on breaking it down just because I never, I never played goalie growing up. Um, my only expectation is I expect you to make the first stop. Like if it's a, for the most part, I understand that there's uh, a lot of bodies out front, but if you make the first stop, I can't really fault you for the second or third attempt going in a lot of the time because that mm-hmm. end up ends up typically falling on, uh, on the defenseman or other players out in front of him. If we look at kind of the analytical side today, yeah. he was slightly, slightly off. He was uh, three, just above three expected goals against allowed four. So I, I, you know, it, I'm not going to say he played bad. He played all right. He's, yeah. it wasn't a standout performance. It's not a highlight real performance. He did have right. a couple nice, nice saves here and there, but I wouldn't say he played bad. You know, it's uh, like, like we talked about, I'm not going to fault him for the, the fourth goal, the Bergeron goal where he, it's, it's Patrice Bergeron wide open in the slot. What is he supposed to do? Yeah, I would say this. I, I think, uh, I think goals uh, won by DeBrusque. And as you just talked about Bergeron, the fourth goal are more breakdowns by the team. Like it, yes, it would be nice if he could flash the glove right and stop that DeBrusque shot. It was a great shot, but um, I'm not going to fault him. That puck needs to get out. Those players need to be accounted for. Uh, the Pasternick goal, which was a power play goal, is pasta. I mean, he's unbleeping believable. Forty-seven on the year. It's hard to stop that. And the Krejci goal was was a fluke because he was trying. Krejci was trying to pass uh, to McAvoy, and uh, Johansson tipped it. <laughs> and so he he steered it between Gustafson's leg. Gustafson was actually trying to cheat. It would have been better if the pass had gone through because Gustafson at least would would have had a fighting chance there if DeBrusque had got got the shot off because he read it correctly. But of course, then when it gets tipped, it goes through his, his leg. So I'm with you. He wasn't outstanding. Um, you are going to need, you know, so, some of the games that he's played. I felt like a week or a week plus ago, some of the games that Gustafson has played, they're going to need that. In, in the playoffs, like you're going to need him to make some of those saves. It is, um, it is going to be imperative, but as Tyler says here, and I'm inclined now to agree, I've, I have gone back and forth on this. I've been, you talk about, about uh, back and forth thoughts. Uh, as Tyler says, flower is starting no doubt in game one right now. I would say Tyler is correct. As good as Gustafson played, and I know that we anointed him the must game one starter a couple weeks back, and I do not think that the Flower played great in St. Louis. He's going to get the net tomorrow against Washington. Um, If the playoffs were to start today, as they like to say, I think Tyler is spot on. It is Marc-Andre Fleury in goal for game one. Doesn't mean Gustafson won't play. It does mean I am now back to the veteran. I... I agree with that partially on the other side of things. I'm going to look at the opponents that Marc-Andre Fleury has had the past few times out. I mean, we, we, you mentioned St. Louis, they're bad. I know they put up eight, but he also, you know, he was in net for what? Five. Um, the other. It, yeah, he wasn't great. It's not, no it, question. it's not like he has been lights out. He will make spectacular saves. It seems like an ever performance. He does have that kind of X factor of, He's, you know who he is. He's got that Hall of Fame repertoire. Right. I think Gustafson, like I said, it's, it's the Boston Bruins. It's one of the best hockey teams I've seen in a long time. They, like you said, they're a wagon. He let up goals that I think you expect any goalie to probably let up against this great, this great team. I think they finished with what, about 38, maybe just over 40 shots today. Yeah. Yes. A lot of those were high danger. And he held his own for the most part. So I, I, I'd say it's a, a coin flip right now, but it's probably just for the namesake. You're going to go with Flurry. Yeah. 
you know Dean's itching to start Flower, don't you? You oh. know he is. You know he's just itching to give him the start. You know he's itching to scratch Kalen. You know what he's itching to do. He's Dean. Um, so, yeah, if this was a different coach, I might say that there's a good chance Gustafson starts. But, you know, Gustafson, here's the problem, and this was bound to happen, I would say, in the past week or so. Both have experienced regression. And when that takes place, um, I think he's going to default to the veteran. Uh, okay, so let's wrap this up by putting things in context here. So the Avalanche smoked, not surprisingly, Detroit today. They are now in second place. 40 wins in 68 games, 86 points, okay? The Wild played their 70th game. They are on 39 wins, 86 uh, points as well. But because of, of one, the extra win, and two, the game in hand, uh, the Avs are in second place. Dallas has 87 points in 69 games and plays Calgary tonight. So, in other words, the Wild has a, a golden opportunity against a Washington team that's not nearly, in fact, I don't think that they're a playoff team, um, that's not nearly as good as this Bruins team tomorrow afternoon to get itself in excellent shape again. Uh, but this is going to be fun. It does look like, with the Jets' struggles, AJ, it looks like the Wild, unless they completely collapse, which I don't think they're going to do, will be second or third. Um, at that point, I think you should say your prayers that Colorado passes everybody. I want out on the abs. Sorry, I just do. Um, so if I'm the Wild, I either want to win the division and get and get the um, get the wild card game or round, um, or I want to finish in a position where Dallas falls. Because I, I would take my, uh, I would take Dallas. Like that's a tough, that's a tough beat, but it's a doable beat. The Habs are flipping the switch, dude. I'm not sure about you. I just don't have a lot of interest as I try and as as the Wild tries to get past the first round and God knows how long. I don't have a lot of interest in facing Colorado in round one. I don't even care if I have home ice in that series. Yeah, no, if if you're going up against this avalanche team that is getting healthier, hitting their stride, finding that groove, they're they're looking to go back to back. And they I think they have a team to do it when healthy. It's it's really impressive. It, it I will say this that they were as hurt as as much as they have been so far, and they're one point back of Dallas with and they have a game in hand. So I mean I I might as well just chalk it up to say they're in first place right now. Um I think they probably can outlast Dallas and make that surge come back to get the one spot because I and I would like to see that because if the Wild are going to be two or three and match up against Dallas, that's a better pairing I think for them than Colorado. Yeah. the The chances of moving on to a second round, I'm not going to say they skyrocket, but they increase because Colorado is just such a good team, top to bottom. I mean, you mentioned the roster of this Bruins club. You could do the same thing with with Colorado. Um, it's, yep. it's a similar style. They have the flair, they have the superstar, but they also have those gritty guys. Like everybody, you know, from the fourth line center to the, you know, the superstar up front, they know the role and they execute it so well on a nightly basis where you might as well just pack it up and start booking tea times. If you match up with Colorado in the first round. And it, just to be clear, the stars are good. Jake Ottinger scares me. Like he is there, he is going to be, well, I, I think it's fair to say that Dean has a decision to make, right? And look, Flower or Gus could get super hot. But if you are Pete DeBoer in Dallas, you know, Jake Ottinger's your guy. He's been great. Mm -hmm. If he continues that, I, I mean, he bleeping stood on his head against the Flames 
in the playoffs last spring. He was uh, Andre was unbelievable. It's one of the yeah. best goaltending performances I've seen in a series, and they lost. Right, <laughs> so I'm not saying that you're going to get by the Stars for sure. I'm just saying Colorado and like Colorado is becoming, I think, a little bit like Tampa did, which is uh, we'll get in the playoffs and then and and then it starts. <laughs> yeah, you know, because if you if you just won the cup, the dumbest thing that you can do is go is go, you know, full speed in the regular season. And they've had a ton of guys out. You're right. But, I mean, you know, I think Colorado has this, to a large point, figured out. And I could see that being basically five games, maybe six and done. I think Dallas, it could go six or seven. And, and again, Kirill has to be back, too. Yes. You're done. You're, you're toast. If if Kirill and Brodeen are affected into the playoffs, it's over in the first round, or at least it should be. Um but that that point being made, I do think that against Dallas, you've got a chance. Against Colorado, I just I hate your chances. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, but uh, I if you would have told me three hours ago that the Wild weren't going to pick up any points against this Boston Bruins team and their 14 game uh, franchise record setting uh, point streak came to an end, I would have believed you. It just recapping this in a few words. It was a game I think they probably could have one or even forced overtime. They just, the lows outweighed the highs today. Yes. Yes. And the, and the defensive breakdowns are not acceptable. Yeah. Like that's, that's what it comes down to. And that's why you need two of your better defensemen keyword being defensemen back as well as <laughs> Caprice up. All right. We are done age. Thanks much. As always Judd's hockey show. Uh, I'm sure we'll be back uh, soon with Declan, I would guess. Don't forget, Jesse Pierce uh, scheduled to return on Wednesday as well. She wore shorts here today to cover the game, like some shorts. I have no idea. Hey. Nice looking, so dressy. But um, it's cold outside. It's cold inside. And she told me <laughs> spring is here, and I don't care. Good for her. There so we go. We are uh, done. We will talk to you soon here on Score North.